0: Hello all, thank you for listening. Before I play the audio from this discussion real quick, I'd just like to announce that due to current events ongoing in the United States of Triple K America, I've just created a free and open to the public Discord server to host some readings and live group discussions relating to the structures of US law that underlie and propagate the systems of racism and police brutality that many protesters are now currently embroiled in a fight against. To access those texts and this new public Discord server, please visit www.phenomenology.club. I hope to see some of you at one of our scheduled meetings. You're listening to Phenomenology Club Radio. Hello and thank you for listening to this audio podcast. I am Buttress, the host of Phenomenology Club which is an interactive online community of artists and thinkers centered around this content that I create and curate online for us to talk about. Which is why both our tagline for Phenomenology Club and the subtitle for this discussion series is Talk About It. Most of these uploads are originally streamed live on our YouTube page. If you're interested in interacting with those as they happen live, please go subscribe and turn on the notifications at youtube.com slash phenomenology club. And in general, to learn more about our club, what we do, and how you can become a member for only $1 a month, please visit our website at www.phenomenology.club. Thank you for listening. Stay Stay trippy. Just one more word before I play this audio, sorry. I just wanted to preface by saying that this discussion was uploaded just a little over a week ago, right when the first protests in Minneapolis had begun, and as such, it already feels dated. I think the public discourse has already evolved in such a way since then that I think reflects some of the ideas I was discussing here, and that's a really great thing to witness and I hope we all continue in this way. Basically the core idea I'm trying to hammer home here for anyone who hasn't really embraced it yet is that too many people, and especially too many white people, think that racism is an ideological battle alone. But this is not the reality. The reality is that racism is a thing that is enforced and propagated by our very systems of law and economics. And if we want to actually be useful in the fight against it, we must investigate and understand these structures first. I spent a great portion of this discussion talking about how this is true also of sexism and gave some of my reasons why, as well as my reasons for why sex and race are completely different phenomena and really not very analogous past a certain distinct point. But thinking about how all of our systems of inequality function And the ways in which they are similar and also the ways in which they differ is a crucial step we must take as critical thinkers if we want to be active participants in the fight against any system of injustice. This too mirrors our approach to philosophy and to phenomenology, that we do ourselves a great disservice to start from what is most immediate instead of what is most foundational about any problem, period. I hope that you're all staying safe and healthy out there, as well as energized and motivated to seize this rare historical moment to do your best to be an active participant in the fight against inequality. Thank you for listening. The audio upload will begin now. Hello and welcome back to Talk About It, the official podcast series of Phenomenology Club haven't been incredibly active in the past month or two. Um, those of you who are subscribed to the YouTube channel might have saw that we did start a Twitch channel, which you can access by going to twitch.tv slash phenomenology club. I already did some stupid uploads, like review that Jubilee episode of the alien people talking to the people that didn't believe in aliens, you know, fun shit like that. Haven't been incredibly active in the uh, public sphere of things on this channel but that's partially because we have been incredibly active in our discord channel so any of you who want to become a member it's only one dollar please go to www.phenomenology.club or the Patreon, patreon.com slash phenomenologyclub, you can become a member for only $1, and uh, we do all types of shit. We still are doing yoga every day, even though I have tapped out a little bit of yoga, can't lie. There's a little bit too much meditation for me. I am not really a meditative bitch, sorry, but I do really appreciate a lot of the exercises that we do. Uh, we also shred every day with Jillian Michael. still. I'm getting shredded over here slowly. Um, and we also are doing our book club series. We've just finally read Edmund Husserl, the creator of the method we call Phenomenology. And it was the most difficult text that we've ever read together, but our club members did an amazing job. You can actually listen to an upload of the audio reading on this channel if you want to. But anyway, how are all you people doing? Are you all okay out there in quarantine? I miss fraternizing with my human peers that don't exist in Phenomenology Club. So I decided I would come on and talk a little bit about things. Please type in the comments section, what kind of things have you been thinking of? I see some of you are already talking in there. That's great. Let's talk about stuff. So, In the description for this upload, one of the things I said is that, you know, as phenomenology enthusiasts, I won't even call us phenomenologists necessarily, because I don't work with identifiers. Okay, I'm just me. But as phenomenology enthusiasts, one of the things that we are so taken with is investigating the structural properties of experience itself and also the properties of all that emerges out of experience, things like language, you know, and this is something that we discuss so often on this channel, how many of the problems that we have when it comes to literally anything can oftentimes be traced back to a structural problem, you know, and this clearly is true for things like, all of the political realities that we experience daily in the United States of motherfucking triple K America. And I'm not an expert in anything. I actually have recently been feeling kind of insecure just to, uh, lay myself bare for a second, which I think is a good thing, you know, because I think. For myself personally all the people i admire most possess humility to a point that almost seems to look like self-hatred so i don't really feel insecure about bearing out my insecurities right now but what was i just saying <laughs> okay but i feel like if i have any type of insights to offer people it's really just to guide them in a direction and i feel like Something I think about so often when it comes to all these discussions we have about racism in America, sexism in America, gay problems in America, that gay shit, it's like we all are so steeped in this mode where we're always talking about the ideology of any given issue. You know, things like... Mm -hmm. Having some sort of prejudicial bias against the demographic of people, having some sort of almost visceral hatred of people and what kinds of things we can do to remedy this reality. How can we all try to alter our own thought processes to be less racist, less sexist, less homophobic, less whatever, you know? And I think that these are absolutely worthwhile exercises, but something that really bothers me is that I feel like interfacing with the ideological arguments with any of these issues, this is easy. And I feel like because it's easy, it's gotten to a point where this is all we really do, right? we talk about things like sexism. I'll talk about this first because this is the thing that I think I might have the most knowledgeable experience with. We talk about how the cure for patriarchy is to get people to be less sexist or something. As if people are just arbitrarily sexist. And this is women's problem. You know, we need to get people to be less sexist, and then everything will be fine. Or when it comes to racism, we have to get people to be less racist, and then everything will be fine, you know. And I think that Clearly, we should be investigating and trying to get people to be less racist, less sexist, obviously, because at the end of the day, the individual has to interface with any of these issues on a personal level, a level that is ideological. But I feel like if we want to actually strategize towards meaningful outcomes, we need to really be investigating the structures that underlie them in America especially to think about things like racism what is going on now in Minneapolis by the way if any of you are in Minneapolis is it Minneapolis or Minneapolis god damn it whatever if any of you are over there hope you're all being safe um but we look at things like what are going on now you know and And it's like, well, what exactly is the problem? I mean, there's so many. The problem is so multifaceted, right? But how can we really fix it? What kinds of things should we be campaigning for? I get frustrated because, you know, when things happen, it just turns into this kind of this kind of just just. Just bickering back and forth on Twitter fest, you know, which is why I pretty much just completely abstain from Twitter nowadays, because I love arguing and it's too addictive for me. I like to argue too much. I don't want to argue. And also, it just makes me sad because I feel like all I see are non solutions, you know. How can we tackle a thing like racism on a structural level? Because clearly racism is structural, you know. If we had to think of something that we could really do, some tangible measure that we could really campaign for to fix things, what kinds of things do you think we should be campaigning for, you know? Before I came into here, I'm very unprepared. But this is what I was thinking about. This is where my mind's at right now, you know. When we think of police brutality, for, uh, when we think of police brutality and how it's enacted, I mean, to think exactly about what has just happened with this man, George Floyd, who just um, was murdered by a policeman, four policemen really why is this allowed, you know? And why do we see this happening over and over again? Clearly because cops are racist, right? We know this for a fact, but why are cops not prosecuted for murder when this happens? This is what I'm trying to investigate right now because I feel like at least one of the solutions or at least something we can work towards is here, you know? I was reading about homicide and justifiable homicide and what the law says about it you know are any of you lawyers or law nerds because these are the sorts of things that I think that we should be focused on right now Why are policemen allowed to get away with murder? This seems to be something that we should be fighting for, you know, whether or not cops are going to continue being racist people, of course they'll continue being racist. We live in such a racist society and it's such a, and as I've seen some of you saying already in here, you're already talking about what do we do with people who are racist? Is racism a learned behavior? How do we try to get people out of this mode, you know? I think that we should be working towards these kinds of things, but uh, but black people are getting murdered by the police in our streets, you know? I don't think they want to sit around and wait, and they shouldn't be expected to sit around and wait for us to find some way to convince cops or convince white supremacists to not be racist, you know? This is some sort of nice possibility, but it shouldn't be the thing that we're focused on. It's just not... It's a non solution, you know, I feel like personally something when I think about what we can strategize towards something that needs to happen clearly is cops need to stop being excused for homicide just by principle of being cops. Because from what I've gathered and reading about the legislation surrounding homicide, cops are allowed to murder because it's seen as excusable because they're policemen. This is a structural problem. You know, this is something that I think we should actually be invested in changing. We need to investigate the language of the law itself and fucking change it. It's fucking ridiculous. Why are cops allowed to do this? And at what level? I mean, this is a nationwide problem. Right. So I imagine that this needs to be addressed at the federal level. I was looking at the oh, I don't have it pulled up anymore. But I was looking at some of the federal language about homicide. It was really interesting. There's uh, a whole section about, about what to do in instances of pilots and other people manning vehicles, uh, killing people due to recklessness and shit. And yet there isn't one about things like police misconduct. You know, why is that? But sorry, I just read a comment and got sidetracked. Um, (coughs) I'm, I'm not prepared really for this discussion. Like I just said, I wanted to give you some of what I've been thinking about because this is, this is just my problem with everything. And like Jose Ortiz has just said, I feel you. We speak ourselves to dead ends and then what? We just know better and decide for ourselves. (coughs) Um... Yeah, I I feel like that's true. You know, I feel like like I was saying, I think that it's just so easy to talk about to to talk about the most superficial analyses of these kinds of things nobody wants to do the heavy lifting and investigate the language of law itself investigate histories investigate anything because these things are difficult you know they're difficult for myself if it wasn't then I would be some legal expert already and I would give you my my numbered fucking point by point plan for what exactly needs to happen I do not possess such a plan yet you know but I feel like if we want to be useful to any sort of cause then these are the kinds of things we should be doing you know forget going on fucking twitter and fighting with whoever or your racist uncle about whoever. I mean, sure, do that. But what we should all be doing is becoming experts, really, in law and then rallying around what we think needs to happen to change the law. Changing minds is something that I think will happen as a consequence of changing the actual structures of inequality. To go back to sexism, you know, I don't think sexism is the problem in society. Insofar as what I mean is, what I mean is rather, sexism does not cause sexism. Sexism is a symptom of an inequality that underlies it, you know, and this, this structure is what needs to be addressed. If we want to fix sexism, we can't, fix sexism by convincing people to be less sexist. It's not gonna happen. Sexism exists because of structural inequalities and it's almost this quote unquote, natural consequence of these un- this underlying structure that propagates inequality. Barbie said, accountability, the police and the courts represent agents of the state. There's no reform but abolition. That's interesting, Barbie. I mean, I think it's definitely clear that uh, that police, at least as they exist now, whatever the police fucking are, they need to go. <laughs> like, we don't need the police as they exist now, you know? I absolutely do think that we need something that vaguely resembles a police force, but the key word is vaguely, you know? I mean, I don't know about you, but I don't want to be left to the whims of my neighbor, uh, who probably possesses a gun, you know, and is weird and creepy. I don't really want to just <laughs> hope that nothing ever happens and I won't need to ever call somebody. But, you know, I also am a white person in America. And so I'm comforted by the idea that if something did happen with my neighbor, I could call them, you know, but that's not the reality for so many of our peers in America. So, I mean, this is such a multifaceted Issue. Um, Jose says, interesting. I don't think I've heard of sexism like that. Yeah, I mean, I, I think to think about sexism, I think that there can be parallels drawn to racism. But, you know, I don't think that these entities are completely analogous. I think that sex and race are completely different phenomena. Uh, you know, that, and I think that oh, mm, they can't, they can be talked about in similar ways to a certain extent, but not really past a certain line. They kind of deviate pretty harshly from each other. Barbie, how do we work in tandem with the law? Well, I mean, it's, it's interesting, because what you just said, you know, the police and the courts represent agents of the state there's no reform but abolition can you extrapolate on this idea because it's a difficult idea right we talk about things like abolishing the police state about or abolishing the police abolish abolishing god damn it i can't talk it's hot in here abolishing prisons you know what exactly do we mean by this i think a lot of people are uh, put off by this kind of language because abolish to a lot of people means do away with entirely. And I think on one level, this is what people are calling for. You know, we don't want to do away entirely with the ideal established by a thing like the police force, who, uh, in the most idealistic sense should, would be something that resembles some sort of security force security squad, but this isn't how they function, you know. So I agree that we do need to abolish police as they exist, you know, but we do need something to replace it, you know. I see people talk about things like community policing. Um, This is something that I'm not sure exactly what people are discussing when they talk about this. I don't really want to be left to the whims of my community either. I feel like structural inequalities will just continue to exist if we do a thing like community policing only on a smaller scale, you know? I mean, what about mixed communities? in mixed communities then i think the structures of racism will still uh re-emerge and and we'll still see things like racist community policing i think also that women and children will be at a greater disadvantage you know because the police force tends to be overwhelmingly male and this is true also in things like community policing you know i don't think that community I don't think that communities necessarily have the tools to um, create completely egalitarian standards for everybody in the community any more than they would on a broader scale. You know what I'm saying? Um Fuck, I was just going to say something and I fucking forgot. It's so hot in here. I'm dying. I don't know where you guys exist. I'm in New York on the third floor by my computer that's overheating and I am just sweating fucking balls. (coughs) Barbie. Yeah, it's interesting to read about civilization without police because it is possible. Hmm. Well, In the most idealistic sense, I mean, what are police supposed to do, right? And you said civilization without police. What is civilization supposed to do, you know? In my mind, civilization is a word that encompasses some sort of structure, enforceable structure that a bunch of people basically voluntarily join into, you know? A civilized society is simply a society where there has been some sort of order And this order is enforced, whether by group participation, but also by some sort of other means, too. I mean, for one, wouldn't we need, even in the most utopian, hypothetical, idealistic society, wouldn't we still need something that resembles something like a police force to at least remove people who decide to be uh, decide to not comply with, you know, things like not murdering other people? People who become violent towards other people. I feel like we would still need something akin to security guards or something, <laughs> you know, that will remove people. Um I'm reading these comments. Clark Kent, how come only America has these problems? I wouldn't say only America has these problems, but I think it makes sense that America has these problems in such an extreme way because America is a country where, you know, thousands and thousands of black people were brought here to be fucking human slaves not very long ago. We talk about slavery as if it is this thing so far distant in the past. but someone in phenomenology club just said slavery is like three people ago (laughs) that's so true i mean it's 2020 slavery was abolished when in 1860 or something i mean these kinds of problems don't disappear overnight it's crazy to me that people think that time is really um such a strong variable in any discussion about political realities i mean the same people seem to concede that you can be born into wealth, you know, wealth lasts for generations and generations, poverty lasts for generations and generations. Why would a thing like slavery just have no remaining effect on the population of this country when it's only a few measly generations ago? Of course, the effects of slavery are still, uh, in broad view, I mean, like it's a uh, slavery is not the problems that slavery has established are foundational in America. I mean, to speak of the police force and why it needs to be abolished, this has much to do with it. You know, the very premises that the police force exists on are are to be to carry out a racist agenda. You know. So we do need a radical restructuring of our very ideas about what police are, what they exist to do. And if we need anything that resembles a police force at all, I would argue that, yes, we need something that resembles a police force at the end of the day, you know, because there's always going to be people that are... um, violent to other people you know and we at least need a way to remove them from other people if they're going to be violent towards other people but i mean look at the police force as it exists now police aren't security guards police literally patrol the streets like fucking sharks looking for people doing something wrong in white communities so they can hit you with a fucking ticket you know and get money that way Or in other communities so they can fucking slap your ass with a fucking felony and throw you in jail for the rest of your fucking life. Dylan, get rid of the privatization of the prison. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, capitalism is, is a huge problem for anything. Anything. I mean, someone was talking about education earlier. I think it was you. You know, like, uh, sorry, I'm reading comments. I'm zoning out. Oh my god, it's so hot. Hold on, I'm gonna bring the fan in here. It's just too hot. I can't think. is the fan too loud tell me if it's too loud i'll uh make it lower <clears throat> yakov is that how i say your name some russian shit shapiro so i'm guessing that's not even really your name Yet yeah, police hires all around the country are more diverse than ever Well, I don't think that this really says anything about whether or not the police force functions as a racist institution just because they have things like black policemen, you know, there's always going to be people that become, oh, it's Rachel. Hey, Rachel, Dylan, there's always going to be people in any demographic that works against their own demographic, you know, okay, the fans fine, great. barbie there's several prison abolition readings and calls for police abolition it goes hand in hand with wanting to destroy capitalism right please type any text that you think others should read in here i'm familiar with the writings of angela davis i know that she has a lot uh to say about these issues but if anybody has any recommendations for texts you think we should be reading please type them into the chat and we could still uh we could look at them you know Um, Barbie, police are here to protect the wealthy and their property, to make sure capitalism functions smoothly. That's absolutely true, but let's try to think about, about the abstract ideal of the police force. Do you think, Barbie, that on a certain level, you know, uh, there would still need to remain something to enforce the law? I'm just curious what you think. Um. <clears throat> I feel like I could just go all over the place right now. The police don't solve social problems. I agree with you. I mean, the police, the police aren't really good for much, right? Uh... But I do think, you know, uh, I I would be terrified if the police were absolutely gone. This is speaking for myself only because I feel like for one, like rape would just like be like, (laughs) everyone would just turn into a rapist because everyone's like already on that shit. And like, who would we who would women call, you know, I also think about things like women, women's physical vulnerability compared to men, you know, I feel like the the new police force, the community police, would just be overwhelmingly male, and women would just kind of be fucked. This is where my mind goes automatically. Maybe I'll talk about um, maybe I'll talk about sexism a bit because Ho- Jose said that he'd never heard this idea, and I feel like I have clearer ideas here, and maybe it can it can help us illuminate some of what we think needs to be needs to happen for other issues you know when I said before that I think sexism is a symptom of structural inequality and not the cause of it Jose my ideas are basically that we say that we live in a patriarchy and what is meant by that is we live in a structure where men are the norm, and as such, you know, they possess all of the power. Women really, I mean, feminism is so new. It's interesting. We talk about it as as if it's been here forever. I feel as if people don't even yet, don't even yet concede that for most of history, women across civilizations this is not just the western world which a lot of leftist bros would have you think i mean i can't stand the take that like sexism is a is a fucking western export nothing could be further than the fucking truth women in every society are oppressed you know and my idea is that this is because civilization itself is patriarchy you know we have never existed in any civilization that was not patriarchal. And this is because at the most physical level, I mean, humans are physiological beings, right? At the most physical level, men and women possess differences that put women at a great disparity when it comes to the kinds of things we see are really the cornerstones of civilization period at least as we know it you know and suffice it to say too that i think human civilization is also just a fucking blip in the scale of our entire human history i mean we have existed for tens of thousands of years and civilization as we know it is only observable for the past six thousand years you know so i i I think that that's something to also be mindful of. But, you know, women and men possess different physicality and a lot of historians put the put the start of sexist structural inequality at the beginnings of agriculture, you know, where women became more the occupants of this kind of domestic role where we stay inside and tend to the children. And this is sort of for practical reasons, right? For one, women are, I forget the percentage difference, but we we uh, are much weaker than men as far as physical strength goes, you know, so it makes sense to assign most of the labor Uh, test to the men because y'all are big and buff and strong and shit and then beyond this we shoulder the burden of the reproductive process you know men just have to fucking bust a nut and you're good you have fulfilled your reproductive role women have to fucking gestate for nine months so many women die in childbirth period uh you know childbirth is a much different or or child Yes, childbirth. Childbirth is is something entirely different for men and for women. So I think that there's practical reasons that before civilization even really fucking took off, women and men had already created this kind of power disparity. There's already a hierarchy at play here where men possess all of the tools for social advancement and women basically function as domestic servants. So... It's not that, you know, sexism exists because uh, men just have some sort of visceral learned hate for women, the way that I think racism kind of functions. And this is why I say that I don't think sex and race are really very analogous at all, you know, because there's no sort of natural justification for a thing like racism. There's still not a justification for sexism, but you understand what I'm saying. The differences between male and female physicality is actually very distinct, whereas this is not true of differences between races. I mean, I could be more genetically similar to an Asian person than I am to another Caucasian person. This is why we say race is a construct, you know, because it really, even though it exists, the lines of races are drawn on these boundaries of physiological markers, things like how much melanin you have in your skin, the shape of your eyes, your other facial features, you know, they're, they're really just sort of these aesthetic identifiers, and there's really nothing much deeper to these categories that we draw. And in that sense, they could have been drawn along any which way, you know. It's merely a coincidence, really, that there aren't also races for eye colors, you know. We could have totally rolled the dice a different way and done done the world history one other way and then we had a race of blue-eyed people a race of green-eyed people brown-eyed people you know we could have drawn these divisions in any way this is why race is a construct you know and gender is also a construct in that gender is the way that we enforce sex-based differences but sex-based differences are the thing that underlies gender and gender inequality you know so there are real inequalities between the male and female body when you think about things like what creates social advancement in civilization when you look at it historically you know because historically how are things achieved um (laughs) for one the acquisition of resources a thing that requires physical strength and also In most instances, in our specific history, warfare, you know, women are basically completely excluded from warfare. We have a bunch of mascots that people like to throw around, like, look at this woman that did this and that. It's like, that's great. But you can't tell me that, like, women have ever really been active participants in war. We're just kind of the spoils of war. And also, we die at the same rates as men in war for a thing that we really can't even participate in. And this is why you see a lot of people say that war itself is patriarchal. Um, Which I think I do agree with to a certain extent. It's not to say that women also don't possess the capabilities for violence, but only that women don't participate in violence as much because we know that we're pretty unequally matched, you know. I might do okay in a battle with another woman, but (laughs) I don't really want to participate in some open war scenario, at least without great caution, because I know that as soon as I encounter fucking Vin Diesel on the battlefield, I'm fucking done. um <clears throat> so so when we talk about things like how we can address these kinds of thing like sexism you know i think it's really interesting to think about this when it comes to things like structural inequality you know because what what does this mean for a lot of people all that i've just said uh, this uh, this all that i've just said about women's reproductive role how we don't possess the tools of social advancement the way men do people use this as a justification for why it's okay that women occupy the societal role that we do and that is absolutely not what I am suggesting, you know. I don't think that because because sexism is almost a natural consequence or patriarchy is a quote-unquote natural consequence of disparities between the male and female body, that that makes it okay, you know. Nothing in civilization is quote-unquote natural. I mean, it is in the sense that we created it, and we are natural beings, and nothing is not born of the natural world, but, I mean, murder is also natural, so why do we even have laws against murder, you know? Everything is natural, so why have laws for anything? If we just want to mirror the natural world and the most natural, uninterrupted processes that exist outside of civilization, then why have civilization, period, you know? So when I think about things like what we need to do to fix sexism, this is why I... I don't even, I mean, I do care about tackling the issue ideologically, trying to expose men and women alike to the knowledge that we all possess prejudicial biases against women. But this can only go so far, you know. I think the problem is structural and needs to be addressed on that level. For one, similarly to the race issue, it needs to be addressed in our actual legislation, you know. I believe that we... All of our civilizations and why I say that we have never had a truly egalitarian society for men and women as far as I know of is because any society that establishes a code of ethics or a code of rights or any of this, unless, in my opinion, it creates explicit rights for women as distinct from men, that I don't think that it really has addressed women's rights at all, you know? Because as we've slid into the role that we occupy kind of naturally, quote unquote, we need to have specific rights that speaks to women's reality. And so in that sense, I'm almost a bit of a separatist, you know? I don't believe that women and men need to be physically separated, but I believe that women need their own distinct set of rights, you know? Things like the right to abortion, we're only granted this right because men have a right to medical privacy and as men who are the norm the standard of all laws as they possess this right then women are also granted this right but we need a specific right that says that women specifically have this right to abortion you know We're always trying to create some perfect bill of rights that only captures, that could capture all people, you know, but I don't believe that this will be sufficient. I also think about things like the right to bear arms, you know, this is a really silly idea, but something that I've been talking about in Phenomenology Club what if like, you know, how how are we going to account for the physical disparities between men and women, you know, because women absolutely are more vulnerable than men are when it comes to issues like personal violence. I have an idea that is really silly, but I'm not being entirely facetious that maybe all citizens, this is my hypothetical government, New Jersey, the law, um, oh, I cut out, you can't hear me? Shit. Can you hear me? My idea is that everyone gets a taser, right? Did I cut out? Am I still here? Am I here? Hold on. Refreshing. I'm here? Okay, great. Did I cut out? Someone said I cut out. Anyway, my idea, (laughs) that's silly, but I think that it captures the spirit of something that I truly actually do think needs to happen. Uh, We need to create some sort of system that accounts for the physical disparity that exists between men and women in terms of strength because we know that physical violence is a threat to all individuals, right? And women are more vulnerable to this to physical violence than to men are simply because you know we're physically weaker even though I've been shredding okay so I can fucking take any of you but my idea you can't hear me Jose damn it so my idea would be that okay (laughs) in New Jersey everybody gets a taser okay everyone gets a taser and men get a weaker taser and women get a stronger taser. <laughs> we can we can dish out the voltages almost on a the way that we do weight classes for wrestling. Okay, you are uh, maybe a weaker male. You get a slightly higher voltage than all the rest of the males. You know, women get a baseline voltage that is higher than the rest of the males. <laughs> This kind of a thing, you know, it sounds absolutely absurd, but honestly, I think one of the reasons it sounds absolutely absurd is because we have yet as a society to even really think about what sexism is what its origins are, and how to fix it. I feel like, in general, a lot of what we try to do when we theorize towards strategies to solving sexism and shit, a lot of it sounds ridiculous, partially because people just don't take the issue seriously. Like I was saying before, I mean, I think people don't even, people, uh, there's so many people, even on the left, quote-unquote, in America, that don't even think women are oppressed anymore, you know, like... I mean, I don't know what they're basing this on. I don't know what they think, you know. Women are basically glorified property. And we're functionally, uh, basically, uh, slaves or at best domestic servants for pretty much all of human history across civilizations. It's only until the past century that we even were able to start having some tools of societal advancement, you know. I think that... This issue obviously intersects with things like class analysis and all this, but I just find it absurdly shallow. A lot of the conversations I hear, even our most progressive thinkers having about these kinds of things, I mean, I hear men refer to the wives of kings as being privileged. (laughs) Like, are you serious? You're basically a dog, you know? Think Women, I think, to think of the history of women, it, it, you really can make an analogy to dogs, <laughs> really. Like clearly, you want to be the own you want to be owned by the most wealthiest person that's gonna feed me this fucking vegan dog food and give me a nice little fucking thing. But end of the day, you know you're functionally just property. And you're really your existence is really predicated on the good graces of somebody just happening to like you in that moment, probably based on what you do for them. you know, I'll throw you out to the fucking shelter on a moment's notice, bitch. So, fuck it. Level C. Real answer is body modification, biohacking. Actually, there is this school of feminism called Xenofeminism, I believe. And if I'm not mistaken, this is something that they argue. That women should, like, go on testosterone and do other things to basically become more evenly matched with men. I don't want to say that this is true if it isn't. But, I mean, fuck that, honestly. I can't even get behind fucking why women have to take birth control and men don't, you know? Fuck that shit. I won't even do that shit, okay? Fuck that. Why is it always women that gotta do a fucking thing, you know? But, to get back on topic a little bit, obviously, this is, a problem like sexism is a thing that needs to be addressed on structural levels and until we do we will never have a solution there will never be a world where we just convince men to just love women more be nicer to women that could happen but that still won't fix sexism it still won't fix uh things like the economic disparity that exists between the sexes and all this you know because as long as we ignore these very real differences that our society was actually structured around and built on top of, then we can't fix anything, you know? Because how do you, what are the tools of social advancement in our society? They still have much to do with things like freedom of movement, physical movement, you know? Being able to walk around without fearing this or that. Being able to... mm, well, things like the the fear posed by pregnancy, you know? How does a thing like pregnancy impact a woman who is on a career trajectory towards a man? Things like this, you know? So, this is why even though I do like to talk ideology, I think it's very important. What I think we should all be most invested in when we talk about any of these issues, whether it's sexism, racism, homophobia, or what have you, anything, we need to be focused first and foremost on the structures that underlie these realities and how we can actually alter them. What sort of actual strategies can we take towards doing things, you know, because... You have to think about it like, yes, it's a noble goal to try to convince people to adopt more benevolent mindsets towards each other. But if you want to actually be effective, I think we need to attack the problem where it begins, you know. And so for a thing like racism, especially, I mean, this is such this is a thing that will continue to plague America for as long as we refuse to address it. You know, it's true that on a smaller scale, the more we try to change the mindsets of people, the more, the more support you see behind movements that could actually strategize towards more meaningful outcomes, you know? It's true that white people in America are starting to open their minds and hearts to the reality of black citizens in America and how they're treated, you know? But end of the day, this is only good for so much. It's good for recruiting power. But we need to actually address this problem on a structural level, you know. So what kinds of things can we do? I think personally, something like I was saying, something that I'm trying to do and that I encourage you all to do is learn the law. We need to learn the language of the law and not just our law, but also read political theory in general, you know, and become educated on all matters of politics and history you know because how else are we going to (sighs) come to better realities you know these are political issues they're 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 also ideological issues but the way that it influences people on an individual level i mean i think the it's enforced um in political ways we need to really fucking tackle this issue at the root uh, what do you guys think cop women get everything and men get work and death well yeah right <laughs> are you saying that women don't also die in war because that would be funny i mean we have to die we die in war and we also die i mean I don't know what the number one cause of death for women has been historically, but I'm pretty sure childbirth is way fucking up there, you know? Isn't it crazy that we've never even, as far as I know, no one was ever like, maybe we shouldn't get as many women pregnant because women are dying at like massive rates just to have babies, you know? Like, where was that discussion? No one's, I've never even seen this suggested, you know? Uh, Men do not, maybe men die earlier than women, um, but w- women do not get everything, and you speak of work. I mean, women want to work. <laughs> like, what isn't work uh, a a thing that many people participate in willingly? I mean, I don't know exactly what work you speak of, but. Uh, women absolutely want to work and they want to make contributions to society just as much as men do you know i think that some of society's most important innovators are people that participated in what they were participated in participating in willingly you know nobody made aristotle go be fucking smart he wanted to go be fucking smart You're talking in the first world. So am I, bitch, the fuck? (laughs) Women are still at a great disadvantage in the first world. And just because it's worse elsewhere is no reason to dismiss our very real concerns with how things work. You know, I mean, just look at fucking look at violence against women. It's so normalized that it's not even a thing anymore. It's become entertainment. You know, look at true crime television. Why is everything we see... Most of it, we watch the deaths of women, the murders of women, and they're most often by somebody that women know, you know. I mean, I assume you're a man. Like, try to put yourself in that mindset for a second. I mean, women live with the reality that the people that are supposed to be our closest loved ones are the people that were most afraid of murdering us. I mean, (laughs) I've feared many times in my life that somebody I was close with or knew was planning on murdering me because they had incelish tendencies and i'm like oh great i'm gonna get fucking murdered but you know it's become so normalized it's not even a fucking thing we we talk about violence against women kind of but really not why is i mean the the overwhelming majority of homicide victims are men and they're killed by other men why isn't the true crime tv stations just inundated with this kind of material because we want to see women being murdered, you know, it's, like, it's, like, such a given, like, we don't even really talk about this anymore, we pay lip service, but it's really not a fucking thing, you know, I think that in America, for one, you know, I want to see things like all-female transportation, like, some of the things that they've started doing in certain parts of Japan, you know, because women are, uh, always being sexually harassed on the subways and shit, you know, I would love to see this kind of a thing in America as well. I want to see more spaces for women. I mean, women are the ones who built spaces for women. I think that we should continue in this way. Women should have the option to have female Uber drivers, to be on female buses, all of this kind of thing, Houses for housing for women. So... I would love to see more of this kind of a thing. I think that we can strategize towards this sort of a thing. We need the explicit right to abortion. From an ideological perspective, too, even, I think we can combat some of our most ideological obstacles from from this sort of structural analysis mode, too. I think about things like pornography, you know, the normalization of pornography in society. Why is it that women have to be subjected to this kind of hate speech literally everywhere? I mean, I can't go on the internet for one fucking day without running into some images of women just being absolutely brutalized and called dumb sluts, and I'm fucking my fucking mom, and I'm fucking my sister while she's sleeping, and I'm fingering my girlfriend while she's passed out fucking shit, you know? Like, Women should be able to not have to witness this kind of material. I think that this kind of content should be classified as hate speech, you know. Get it the fuck out of here. I don't believe that you should ban hate speech. I believe that hate speech should also be legal. But women deserve the right to be protected from these kinds of materials, just as any marginalized demographic should have the right to not have to bear witness to this kind of shit, you know. If you're at work making fucking drawings of racist drawings and all this shit, you know, you have some sort of protection, even though you don't really, we don't really have proper hate speech laws in America. But the idea is that you should be able to go to someone and have some sort of penalty for this kind of a thing. You know, people shouldn't have to be subjected to this kind of material that exists only to degrade you in the eyes of society, you know, so fuck it. Elena, thank you for being brave enough to talk about porn. (laughs) Yeah, dude, it's just ridiculous at this point. I used to try to tiptoe more, you know? Um, but it's like, dude, every time I talk about this kind of a thing openly, I just get messages from women like, thank you. This is how I feel too. I think people really underestimate to what extent women hold their tongues about things. For one, because the landscape that we're in right now is so, I mean, there's so many terms that exist, gendered terms, just to shut up any women on any kind of basis you know like if you if you want to talk about how you feel that porn is material that degrades women and functionally hate speech and you don't it makes you uncomfortable they'll call you a fucking puritan they'll call you a fucking swerve they'll call you vanilla it's just ridiculous like I used to kind of care but now it's like dude I don't it's all men that feel this way honestly I mean every time I talk to women for the most part we're all in agreement like so it's like who are we really saving face for I don't really care at this point you know I don't believe in criminalizing porn level C criminalized porn legalized drugs I believe I mean, I'm definitely a big free speech advocate as I and I know a lot of people aren't because I lost like 500 Twitter followers (laughs) because of that Michelle Carter business. But I'm absolutely for free speech. You know, I don't believe that hate speech should be illegal as it is in certain countries like the UK, which I think is 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 turning into all sorts of problematic issues for them. You know, I don't think that hate speech should be illegal. But I believe that there should be a legal category for hate speech because people, People should have the right to be protected from it, you know. I don't think that it needs to be banned, but there needs to be a legal legal category created for it so that people can can have some sort of protection against this kind of content, you know? Black people shouldn't have to be subjected to racial slurs being hurled at them or in literature when they're at fucking work, when they're at school, in any sort of public institution or just public life, period, you know? And... uh, I don't think that this content should be illegal because when you make it illegal, you give the government too much power to become authoritarian against marginalized groups of people, you know. As soon as you give the government that kind of power to tell you what you can and cannot say, they will absolutely use it against the most marginalized people first. So I don't believe that any hate speech or any speech period should be illegal. Sans may be, like, certain... <laughs> Technology manuals, which is a really interesting discussion that I haven't made up my mind about yet. Things like how to build the most efficient bombs and shit. I don't know how I feel about the legality of this kind of information being out there in the public. So save that for a rainy day. I'll talk about that another day when I come up to a better, uh, better fucking idea about that. But <clears throat> there still is a utility, a great. Hello, can you hear me? My internet went out, god damn it. I'm back. I'm back in action. I don't know who's still here, but if you can see me, I'm still here. Fuck it, let's go. I wasn't done. YouTube is trying to get me to stop the truth. What was I talking about? I was talking about hate speech. and porn, Tobias said, hey, Spady, where, so where would it be legal, let me just reemphasize one last time, I don't believe that porn should be illegal, I don't believe that any sort of content or speech should be illegal, sans, you know, fucking child porn or anything else like that, that uh, depends on actual real world violence, which a lot of pornography also absolutely is, you know, um, but, I think that, clearly, if we wanted to categorize porn as being a thing that functionally was hate speech, we would have to articulate exactly why, right? Um, And so, you know, I don't think that, like, all images of naked people boinking would fit this criteria necessarily, you know? I think that the overwhelming majority of pornographic content that we see online would absolutely fit this criteria, like I said, I mean, you have to go out of your way to find porn that is not absolutely, totally dehumanizing towards women, um, that it's just, I mean, I, I would never go on Pornhub ever again in my life, I mean, for, for one, that site is completely unethical for real world reasons, but also just the content on there, it's just fucking, so misogynistic like you would have to I don't I you couldn't pay me to go back on Pornhub ever fucking again but you know I think that if if their content was classified as hate speech like 99% of it would absolutely fit that description so uh regardless that wouldn't mean that you know it's illegal to make this kind of content but it would be but women would have would be able to have more protection against it you know sites like are the most our most regular social media sites where this kind of content is reposted over and over I think they would take stricter approaches to this sorts of thing you know a place like Twitter which claims to not approve of hate speech, you know, this kind of content would then become, you would not be able to have it online or you could report it if someone was reposting this kind of thing on Twitter, you know. Level C, decapitalize the industry at least. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, decapitalize fucking everything, dude. Fucking money ruins everything. Um... Yeah, I mean it's it's a tricky subject um, because you know it's not that it's not that this content is at baseline misogynistic. You know, at baseline, pornography is only images of people boinking. Oh, you know what I found out recently? Actually, do you know? Let me bring it up so that I don't get this wrong. I was reading about the etymology of the word pornography um, it actually comes from, uh, the Greek word pornographos, writing about prostitutes. A lot of people s- sort of assume that, you know, pornography as a word just means, like, images of sex or something, but in the thing that I wrote it actually said you know this Greek word for prostitutes actually is more analogous to a word for whores like it's degrading in nature you know and actually if I'm not mistaken it addresses a specific class of prostitutes in Greek society not even um prostitutes in general so the word itself is troublesome writing about whores love it (laughs) what was I saying I want to go back to my main point before I get out of here. Oh yeah. That for any of these issues, you know, we can talk about ideology all day long and we should. I mean, these things are absolutely important and will influence how we have these discussions. But I think we as critical thinkers need to really make sure that our priorities are straight and focus on focus on Hold on before I <laughs> level C. I'm saying amateur porn isn't porn. What do you mean it's not porn? Of course it's porn. A lot of amateur porn is absolutely misogynistic as well. It's definitely has that writing about whores feel to it. Look at my fucking wife. She's such a dumb fucking whore. I'm gonna put her on the internet for everyone to jack off to. Ugh god can't stand it here. What was I saying? (laughs) Right. If we want to actually tackle any of these issues, then we need to make sure that our priorities are straight. You know, we need to tackle this from a, a structural approach. Like I was saying about sexism, you know, you can try all damn day long to try to make uh, men see women in more benevolent ways, and you can achieve this in many ways. I mean, and there have been many societies that have achieved this on smaller levels. You know, um, I've been talking to people who have a lot of things to say about uh, how women, what women's role was in the communist revolutions in China, and how women. Occupied um, a respectful role and were able to participate in a really meaningful way and be integrated into society in more meaningful ways. But I mean, where are they now? You know, if you don't create actual an actual structure to mediate the reality, then we will absolutely always slide back into where we are you know if you you can create a more egalitarian society where people have all sorts of benevolent nice things to say about women and this and that but unless you actually create a structure that will safeguard against the kinds of natural quote-unquote um conditions that we will slide into because of disparities like the disparities between physical strength between how our bodies manage reproductive processes then we will absolutely end up right back where we fucking started you know um but again sexism and racism are not analogous in this way at all i think when it comes to a thing like racism you know it's interesting because Things like strategizing towards creating less sexist structures, like I said, would have to do things like create explicit legal categories for female people and male people, you know, and females would have the explicit right to abortion and maybe the explicit right to standards for what kind of weaponry we can possess versus male people, explicit rights to certain reproductive rights, all this, you know. But I don't think that the same would be true for a thing like race, if we're trying to strategize towards creating legislation that can move us into a society that's more egalitarian when it comes to racial matters, you know, because like we were saying earlier, people of different races don't actually possess any sort of distinctly different Physiology, at least in a way that should influence some sort of hypothetical government that accounts for all of us equally, you know? It's not that... <laughs> Barbie, I love this quote. I don't remember it exactly, but it goes like, you can judge a society by understanding how their whores are viewed. <laughs> yes, and I judge all society for even having a class of women that occupies this category, whores. So... I'm judging all you motherfuckers. Any society that has a category for whores, which is all societies, fuck you, bitch. This is why we need a radical restructuring. Anyway, clearly, you know, people of different races are not... uh, The differences between people of different races are really not uh, nearly as deep as the powers of white supremacy would want us to believe. And this is why they've taken... They took such efforts to try to get people to believe that, you know, black people have smaller brains, black people possess less intelligence, they still do this in much more academic language. You know, people like Jordan Peterson and the like, people who want to talk about things like IQ scores and wonder into whether different races possess different academic capabilities and this and that, you know, it's all a bunch of bullshit and we know this. And this is how we combat racism ideologically by emphasizing that there's no real distinct difference between people aside from things like disease prevalence, You know depending on because race does reference biological markers and the more amount of melanin you have in your skin might influence something like you know how much vitamin d you have shout out to darwin and joe rogan who's been talking about this a lot in the phenomenology club chat things like this you know but beyond this uh nothing that would actually separate you as a distinct category of people any more than you know blue-eyed people and green-eyed people might have different physiology is you know it doesn't require a legal category but it does require a legal category right in our present reality where we live in such a racist society when black people are treated distinctly different than white people in america you know so how do we strategize towards things like this things like hate speech and stuff you know how do we want to because this becomes a problem right when we talk about things like racism there's a reason that society or many members of society decided to embrace the definition of racism that says it's it requires power you know because the problem is not simply having some sort of prejudicial bias against the aesthetics of any person right That's not the issue. Is it implicitly wrong to do a thing like, you know, make fun of somebody's ethnic features if we existed in some society that was not racist? You could argue that it's not nice and not correct, you know, but that's not really the problem, right? It's not that people recognize different visual aesthetic differences between individuals and compartmentalize them in this way. It's that they have used this sort of aesthetic hierarchy that we created or a hierarchy that uses aesthetics to put people into different categories and then enforced this categorization system and this hierarchy based on this totally arbitrary marker of our physiology to put people into different compartments and you know then there becomes there becomes this structural inequality this power disparity between people because of this completely arbitrary assignation so it's a bunch of fucking bullshit but how do we strategize towards these sorts of things you know we would we want to try to think of things like temporary measures because this is something we do already when it comes to issues like race things like affirmative action programs you know What is the legal language around affirmative action programs and what is the legal language around things like hate speech period and civil rights for people, you know, these are the sorts of things that we should be coming really familiar with. If we want to address these issues on a structural level. And like Barbie was saying, you know, maybe even if it's not an issue of reform, because we need to abolish the systems that we have in place. right? even if this is true, which I think it is true, we still want to familiarize ourselves with the language of law, our law, so that even if we completely do away with the systems we have in place now, we already know what has worked and what has not worked. You know, We have this incredible body of evidence that we can cite while moving forward and strategizing towards new societies that don't create these sort of incredibly unfair power hierarchies know what I'm saying so this is what we need to do my brothers my sisters like I said I'm not an expert in anything but I try to uh share meaningful ideas when I think I have them and this would be my idea you know that we should all be familiarizing ourselves with the law the language of law rather in the history and use this to strategize towards meaningful outcomes. We have a project in phenomenology club called New Jersey and like NU New Jersey, like new metal, where we're creating a hypothetical theory of government. And these are the kinds of things we do, you know, think, okay, if I had some sort of hypothetical clean slate, if they said that they were going to pull the plug on society tomorrow, And um, (laughs) and we get to come up with a new law. What do we do? And these kinds of ideas are greatly influenced by what we've already observed in places like America, where I live and wherever you live. I mean, investigate the language of law in any place and use this to hypothesize into future outcomes, right? Level C. I'm from Texas. I always keep the heat tucked. Damn, partner. Don't shoot. Shit. Yeah, I mean, um, the right to bear arms is really interesting, too. I don't. I think we should all get tasers, like I said. I think that would be cool. We all get tasers and we all have a different voltage how do you guys feel about that <laughs> we assign voltages like weight classes you know so even if we had something that resembles the police if we had some sort of security class and their their role is to uh remove people who are violent to other people maybe they get a strong voltage you know <laughs> so they can uh do that I think that a class of security guards, too, in our hypothetical utopian New Jersey society would also probably have to be rotational, you know? It should be something like the South Korean military or something. Like, when you turn 18, you do, like, two years and then you're out, you know? We'll just have this uh, ever-rotating class of security guards that are (laughs) 18-year-olds, right? As soon as you turn 18, you do security duty for a year, whatever, and people are always gonna be 18, right? They'll always- there's a never-ending, uh, string of 18-year-olds, so shit. 18-year-olds, you get to do security for a year, you get the strong tasers, and that's that. Fuck it. Uh, Anyway, um... Uh, what was I gonna say? Oh, yeah. How are the riots doing? Are there more riots tonight? I expect all of you to riot. If the riot breaks out, you better go do that. You better burn down your local fucking auto zone. I told you. You heard it here first. YouTube ban me. I don't give a fuck. (laughs) Fuck everything. Burn it down. Um, no, for real. I hope you're all being safe. And, um we're we're living in crazy times guys it's crazy out here um i think that we should all you know embrace what we can as far as optimism goes you know uh there things are scary out here and bad and it's sad to me that we're always it seems like society is always paying the price for past woes you know and that's really sad at the same time Um, I think that we can be optimistic when we see anything happening, you know, it's, it's, uh, nice, I don't want to say nice, it's not nice, but it's, mm, I guess it's reassuring in a certain way to see people actually, to see action happening when these kinds of injustices are committed in our society, you know, the social backlash to things like the police murdering uh, black people just over and over again it's the same fucking story you know people can only take so fucking much you know this clearly needs to change and I think personally what I'm most interested in doing right now is figuring out exactly what the law is for why cops are able to kill people and have it be justified you know and how we can change this, because I feel like this could be something specific that we can all rally around. What is the actual law for why cops are allowed to do this? Why is it justifiable homicide when a cop commits homicide and it's justifiable by principle of them being cops alone? That can't be a justification, you know? I think that cops need to face mandatory homicide charges and also assault charges anytime that they commit some sort of uh, force or violence on individual people, you know, whether or not that ends up with them being dismissed by a judge or a jury, which I think would be the next thing to address because it's not as simple as making it making a thing like how mandatory for all policemen, because you know, they're also all buddy buddy with the fucking judges, and the judges are buddy buddy with the fucking these guys and that and that. You know, it's not so simple, but we can start at least somewhere, and I think where we could start is making sure that all policemen face mandatory homicide charges you know that would be a really good start so uh, that's my personal mission to figure out to 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 grasp completely why this is allowed and to strategize towards how this can be changed and then we can take a stepwise approach and keep making changes right anyway hope you guys are all safe Love you. Come into Phenomenology Club's Discord server if you would like to discuss anything with me further. I'm in there every day. And we have discussions, including voice discussions, often. Part of why I haven't been as active out here on YouTube is because I'm incredibly active in there. It's only $1. Link's in the description. Come join us, but I will try to be back soon. Thanks for speaking with me. Anything else uh, you guys are thinking about while I'm here? I I miss people anything else hit me with hit me with an idea let's talk about it real quick and then i'll leave cuz i'm just sipping coffee here in this fucking heat god damn it give me a question give me a hot take give me your fucking money give me a super chat doo 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 Nope, nope, I'm just gonna read these comments. I'm not ready to go yet, okay. fuck it. I'm gonna read these comments. I'll make this the official ending for the Spotify upload. Goodbye I'm gonna stay here and talk shit for a second while I read these comments. <laughs> <laughs> Mm-hmm. Actually, these are kind of contentious. I'm not going to answer these. <coughs> Legalize shrooms? Absolutely. Drugs should not be illegal. No drugs should be illegal. Um, that's my take on it. Legalize all drugs. I mean, I'm somebody who thinks most things shouldn't be... or. I mean it's it's weird because when we talk about things like legality, you know, it's like violent crimes and nonviolent crimes all get pushed together, you know. I don't think any nonviolent criminal should be in jail or prison period. Um fuck that. Drugs, you know, I think that it's 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 interesting you know certain drugs are obviously much more harmful than other drugs like do I want like unregulated access to a thing like fentanyl or something you know uh no but at the same time I don't think it should be illegal you know um am I still doing twitch streams little nose ring yes but I didn't do it for now because I don't feel like brushing my hair and camming up and I'm sweating balls but yes, please go subscribe to the Twitch, twitch.tv. Do I like Reddit? I do like Reddit. I like to browse Reddit. I don't really type, but I like to browse it much more than I like to browse Twitter because Reddit is at least like, um, it's like, uh, it's like long form Twitter, you know? So it's sort of annoying in that regards too. But at least people can articulate arguments, you know? They can't do that on Twitter. Twitter is just like, I'm going to come up with this three-word mantra, four-word mantra, and that's the law of the fucking land and I'm going to enforce it like crazy. Twitter sucks. I don't I just can't even look at it. I mean, I can. I kind of browse once in a while, but not really. I like to browse Reddit though because people can actually create long-form arguments and you can actually make points, you know. And convince people of your convictions. Um, you know, favorite subreddits, um, don't really have favorites, just kind of browse. I like to like search keywords or go to the popular page and then just kind of, you know, see what people are saying. I like to go to the popular page to see what people are like arguing about. And then, you know, you know, look around. Look around in this shit level c you don't want to legalize everything yeah i wouldn't like want to make like every drug legal i would want it to just not be illegal you know there's no reason that we should be throwing drug addicts in prison and slapping them with exorbitant fees legal fees just so they can get out and hopelessly do more drugs you know because fuck it i'm five thousand dollars in debt in legal fees now just because i'm a fucking drug addict like fuck that you know it's bullshit we were talking about rehabilitation earlier someone wasn't here it's interesting i maybe i'll do a stream on this one day i don't i'm turned off by conversations about rehabilitation with prison and shit i have to tell you i am I don't think that the government possesses the necessary tools to be the arbiters of what makes a person good or acceptable in the eyes of society, you know. So I believe that if we did a thing like stop throwing nonviolent criminals in prison, then we wouldn't need to rehabilitate. Anybody, you know, because if you're a murderer or a rapist, I believe that even though I believe on a personal level, you absolutely could be rehabilitated, quote unquote, become a reformed individual and come to have a healthier worldview where you don't murder or rape people. I don't believe that you that the other people in a society should have to be subjected to your presence because you've become too much of a liability. And this is, of course, in a hypothetical society where things like structural racism, especially as it relates to the justice system don't exist, you know, because now in America, we have a lot of people, especially who grow up in impoverished neighborhoods, neighborhoods that are plagued with violence, of course, they're at a greater risk, many of them to enacting violent behaviors themselves because of other structural inequalities. So supposing we were able to abolish this sort of a thing, then I think if we had some sort of a actually fair society in the instance of things like murderers and rapists, I would say that they just got to go. You know, I hope you go become reformed out there in the deserts of Australia, which is where I've decided I'm going to send you because Australia sucks. But uh, it's not the government's right or responsibility to... But more so the right, it's not the government's right to establish who is a good or a moral person. Because how can the government tell you who is reformed, who is rehabilitated? That means that the government needs to have its own integral theory of morality. What is a good person? What is a bad person? And I don't want to live in that government. It's not the government's role to tell you who is a good person and who is a bad person. And so the government cannot be do a thing like rehabilitate people. I mean, I'm skeptical of the institutions of psychology and psychiatry, period, as far as their beliefs about how they can rehabilitate people, you know? What is the standard of a good person or a person who is functional, functioning normally in an institution like psychiatry or psychology? I mean, they can't even get their shit together. I mean, I'm, I'm definitely... I have a lot of beef with the uh, psychology psychologistic institutions do i believe addiction is a disease says alu i don't know what is a disease let's look it up merriam what is a disease disease merriam-webster definition of disease A condition of the living animal or plant body or of one of its parts that impairs normal functioning and is typically manifested by distinguishing signs and symptoms. Yeah, it would fit that definition. But wait a second. What is okay? What's the definition? Medical definition of disease. Medical definition of disease. <clears throat> disease illness or sickness Characteristic signs and symptoms see I'm not sure about that because what is addiction medical definition of addiction addiction is defined as a chronic relapsing disorder characterized by compulsive drug-seeking continued use despite harmful consequences and long-lasting changes in the brain it is considered both a complex brain disorder and a mental illness. See, I'm absolutely hesitant to embrace this definition. I don't think that addiction fits the definition of a disease in this way, you know? and. I mean, I can't speak for other people. I think a lot of people find a lot of success by approaching addiction as a disease, you know. But personally, I'm really opposed to this attitude I see in a lot of like drug rehabilitation materials where people say like, I'm an addict and as an addict, they basically essentialize this this thing this idea that they are an addict they possess this disease they essentialize it and integrate it into their very identity in a way that i think is can be harmful i think maybe for many people it is necessary perhaps but like for myself i'm somebody who has struggled with addiction and i'm still struggling with addiction even though i haven't taken Adderall now for like 2 months or something go me or any stimulants rather i'm not just saying Adderall because i'm doing other ones i promise haven't done it well i have been doing kratom but that doesn't count right are you proud of me anyway um i don't think what was i saying oh yeah i feel like for me addiction is the thing that i found the most success in overcoming when i conceptualize it almost like a thing like dieting you know I've heard it said that some people do consider themselves food addicts, you know, and I think that perhaps for certain people, this is a good thing, but for myself, somebody who's also struggled with dieting, you know, I find the more that I tell myself, like, I have a problem, I need to stop eating cookies or something, you know, the more I do this, the more I want the thing that I'm telling myself I can't have, you know, and I need it. The more I focus and integrate these kinds of ideas into some into being some sort of essential essential property of myself, the more I struggle personally, you know. I've found the most success in overcoming things like addiction and also even in doing more simple things like dieting when I have less emphasis in my mental on the idea that I need or don't need this thing or this thing is harming me, you know? I mean, I've been abusing stimulants for like almost a decade now. And this past time, I've quit a few times. And this past time, I feel like I've had a lot of success in telling myself I'm not actually quitting, you know? Because when I tell myself I'm quitting, this is something I've experienced with smoking too then I start to just really want it and I start to like mourn the loss of this habit almost like like somebody has died you know I feel like this sense of loss and it makes me want this thing so much more when I tell myself like maybe I'll take it again maybe I won't I don't know all I know is that I want to gain control of this thing and I'm not going to take it right now it'll be there for me if I ever want it again that's something that I've found a lot more success with than trying to stop a thing. Every time I've ever tried to stop smoking or stop stimulant abuse or anything, when I tell myself, you can't do this, you're destroying yourself, you're an addict, I just relapse immediately, you know. I don't think that... I think that addiction in and of itself is such a nebulous concept. It's kind of ill-defined, you know, that it, it's also just kind of maybe not illogical but but the reasons for calling addiction some sort of mental disease i think are just they're not really strong in my opinion you know because what does addiction even characterize it characterizes this like longing for a thing the desire to have a thing this is something we all experience right when does something transcend the line of just being a an object of your desire into being something you're addicted to you know is there some sort of hard line I think a lot of people would say that the line is crossed when you start to experience impaired function where you can't do something without this thing. And it's an impairment, you know, but I don't think that that's necessarily enough qualification to call it some sort of mental disease. You could also perhaps say that, you know, you just it's it's the consequence of bad habit forming and that you could form better habits in another way. You know, I'm just hesitant in general to call things diseases because like i said i'm very critical of our institutions of psychology and psychiatry and i feel like this is something that they want and this is part of how they operate you know they have to essentialize disease and make it a part of your identity you know you are this thing and we have the drug that will fix you we have the cure for you it costs thousands of dollars Damn, Barbie, I won't read that comment out loud, but I'm sorry to hear that. Um, Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a touchy subject, all of this stuff, because on the one hand, you have these people that just absolutely refuse to accept that there's anything valid in the realm of psychiatry or psychology. If you're depressed, you know, then you just need to fucking get over it, you pussy and all this shit, you know. So it's definitely a topic that I think that. I personally approach with caution and delicacy because I don't want people to feel that I'm saying anything like that. I mean, I've talked about this before a lot, but a thing like depression, you know, I definitely experienced depression and I would say I experienced it pretty severely uh, at times. And I, I refuse to accept that I'm depressed and I have a problem. You know, I think that the problem is the world look around you. I mean, what are the topics What's the... The topic that we came into to discuss Today you know look at what's going on Like look at what life is like For black people living in America How could you not be depressed You know and how, how Can an institution like psychology As far as I'm as far as I know you know they don't Like I don't I know that there's Specific resources for things Like black people to find black therapists So they can have these kinds of discussions But it's crazy to me that you can't Like go to a specific therapist as far as i know to like discuss to discuss like depression that exists primarily because of racial realities in america you know we should have things like this because there are absolutely valid rational reasons why you would be depressed being a black person in america there's all sorts of rational valid reasons why you would be depressed being a woman you know i feel like people should be able to access psychology and And this kind of, uh, they should be able to access mental health resources on the premise of these things. These kinds of concerns need to be validated, you know. I think being depressed because of what you observe around you is absolutely valid. We live in a crazy world. I mean, the world's always been crazy, but how could you not be depressed by some of what we see around us, you know. I think that it's a valid response. So I don't like this idea that depression is an illness. And it's this sort of innate essential property of certain people. And it needs to be overcome through the lens of that understanding that there's something wrong with you. I think that it's true for certain individuals, they probably do possess certain qualities that make them more prone to be depressed. But I think the vast majority of people who experience depression, experience depression because of external factors, not because of innate variables, you know. So, fuck it. Anyway, I'm gonna get out of here. Um, Maybe drop some ideas for more, for more topics that we should discuss. Like I said, the Twitch stream still exists, and I'll do some more Twitch streams soon. Check out the alien one, I thought it was funny. <laughs> I want to do one where I discuss the Noam Chomsky and Michelle Foucault debate. Like, watch it in real time and respond. But, um, I don't know. Because half of it's in French, so. I don't know. Stuff like that. I don't know. Tell me what you think you want to see. What you say. What you do. What we're doing. Fuck it. Someone said they missed me on Twitter. I'm sorry. I'll try to tweet more. I just can't right now. It's just it's depressing. I love humans too much to watch them wallow in the mud like that. God damn it. (laughs) I posted such a good quote, said Barbie. I put it over a minion pic, you remember, but it was about this. That was actually a quote by Ted Kaczynski, the Unabomber. (laughs) Uh, This is why the Unabomber has so many stands, on the left especially, uh, because he did make some points. Um, But he wasn't a great guy. I wish I didn't watch the Unabomber documentary. Because it's the first one I've seen, the most recent one on Netflix, the most recent one I saw. Um, they basically talk about how he was kind of an incel. And I wish I wasn't exposed to that knowledge because it's making me second guess him. <laughs> uh, anyway, I'm going to get out of here. Please give me a thumbs up if you can, if you're by the computer. Uh, because thumbs up helps. And I'm going to upload this to Spotify. Subscribe to the Twitch. Subscribe to the Patreon for only one dollar. Come hang out. Um, We're going to read another Husserl text next for book club meeting next Sunday. So that's something you can come get involved in. I don't know. There's a lot of stuff going on. So come hang out. Love you all. I'm going to go for real.